Hope FM, Faith-Filled Radio. Welcoming you to the final hour of Community Now today. And of course, you know that uh, that in this hour of the programme, I like wherever possible to profile the work of a local church. And today, that local church is Waters Edge Elam, uh, and its pastor is Steve Shepherd. Good morning to you, Steve. Hey, good morning to you, Blair. It's great to hear you, although I haven't seen you for a little while. <laughs> well, you wouldn't want to see me now, Steve, because I'm sat here like <laughs> sh- shaggy dog, you know, when the, I, I could do with a haircut, you know, when the wife's threatening to take the shears to me, you know. <laughs> yeah, my hair, yeah, my hair's getting a bit, like, bushy, you know. So, yeah, likewise, my friend. But it's great to talk now, Steve, in the days before, obviously before being called into the ministry, how, how did you come to faith, uh, you know, in the first place? Well, okay, so it goes back to really 1982. That's when, um, I, so I was a construction worker, well, for many years, actually, but up to 1982, I'd finished an apprenticeship. I was in the bike scene. I was in the martial arts scene as well. I had a, even though I was a younger man, I had an old head, so a lot of my friends were well in their 30s and um to cut a very long story short there was a question in my heart there's got to be more to this there's got to be more and and i remember um a girlfriend back then that um i met and fell in love with and thought she was the one but and this was at the karate class but but what happened to her she'd been a model and in her life after the model she she was hitching a lift to uh, Dorchester and she was picked up and basically she was raped. And when the guy finished raping her, he was going to kill her and she pleaded for her life. As a result of the injuries, she then fell in a hot bath of water and had like 50% burns and was in odd stock for nine months. And then I, I met her about a couple of years after. And um, of course, the model, that was all finished. But she had a strong faith in Jesus and what really did for me, I could see the truth in that, the reality in her, and how they, they caught the guy, the guy got nine years, and she had forgiven this guy. And even though she would be reminded for the rest of her life the physical scars, she had forgiven this guy, and I saw the release on her. And that's where the seed was planted of the reality that I saw in her. And, um, and that led me to go, to go to a church service. I turned up a Norton Commando hard-hearted and uh it was a don double crusade on a saturday night the chapel in the valley at the time organized it and i walked in and i, I was so so arrogant because mark was saying i don't want none of these christians talking to me and i sat there listened and then god spoke to me he said why are you running from me and i just wept like a fountain and I, and then the bloke in me was oh i tried to cover that up but god started working in my heart and then it was within the same week that I had an encounter with the Lord. That you know, I, was, I went to a Pentecostal church. It was a prayer meeting, but they had like two pre-prayer, pre-prayer meetings. Walked in, young and old, the people lined. It was in Cromwell Road at Parkstone during the time, and I could see again the reality of these people, and they were praying and and asking God. And I just sat at the back and I said, Lord, I don't understand this, but I want you in my life. And I was instantly baptized in the Holy Spirit and had the revelation of what Jesus had done for my life. And that started the walk back in January 1982, Blair. So the supernatural and the power of God really has been pretty much a part of your life, right? Right from your initial conversion experience to the present day. Yes. Yeah, it's like, um, so I didn't have any church background. 
encounter of Jesus and the reality of that, I thought it was normal, you see, because you do, because, you know, I thought I'm no different to anyone else, and I'm experiencing his, his love in this way. And I remember at the time, different friends, different people, even some church people at the time said, oh, your, 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 your passion will only last a, few, a little while. It'll it go off it eventually. Well, thank God it's never gone off. It's increased. The fire has increased in my heart. And why not when Jesus gave us everything, you know? Why not? Hope FM, Faith-Filled Radio. You use that term, baptism in the Spirit. For, for those who, who would have no con- concept of, of what that is, what, what was the experience like for you, Steve? Well, for my, so if you can imagine someone that had no understanding whatsoever, never read the Bible, never really understood and said a simple prayer, Jesus, I don't understand you, but I want you in my heart. That was, that was basically it. And for me, the Holy Spirit just came into my body it was like all i can explain it was like it was like a kettle the top of my head went off the holy spirit came in to my toes came back out and then i started speaking in this unknown language which is which is it's tongue and the bible talks about the holy spirit you can't separate the holy spirit from the trinity you can't separate the godhead they're three as one you know and when jesus said to his disciples to wait go and wait in that upper room he was going to send a comforter and helper, and they didn't really know who they were waiting for, and it was a long way, over 50 days. And I often say to people that if you're in a room locked, if we were in a room locked up for 50 days, there would be great fallouts here. But they did, and then the Holy Spirit came, came on, on the people and filled them with other tongues, with other languages. So for me, the Holy Spirit is is is. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and you can't separate them. The three is one, and and so I'm so grateful and and thankful. And like I said earlier, that's what set me on a journey. Well, let's talk a bit about about that journey because that was eventually to bring you into into the ministry. Tell tell us something about that journey and 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 how it eventually brought you to to Elam. Well, the interesting thing about it is the the. the no one needed to say this because I was so thankful for Jesus for for taking every evil sin of my past, my present, and my future. Is I just had a thankful heart, and so I just wanted to, to serve local church. And just not long after that, I went off to uh, do a discipleship training school at, at, with Youth with a Mission YWAM, and um, and that was like in yeah in eighty eighty three that was yeah eighty three. And um, so they, that really helped me. Again, that was a foundation in my life. And, and actually, they put within me, in my DNA, mission, how mission was, in, it was important. And so we did street work in Spain and different things. Then I joined a mobile team in London in 1984 and uh, met my wife, Lizzie, in 84. We met and we married at the end of the team. And then came, really came back, and my trade is I'm a, was a fabricator, welder, and heavy structural steel work. So basically, I, I, I worked, and I was self-employed, I worked in the steel work, walk, work, walking the steels, working with these hard-nosed guys, right up to 96. And they, as I, again, I, my heart was to serve, so I served local church. My wife's an incredible worship leader. She serve local church and i saw these men for years as my parish you know they they was where where god placed me so 
the calling, I was already functioning. The calling doesn't start when you go to Bible school, though I did go um, in 97. It, it go, you're called when you, when, you, when you encounter him. And I think that's the key, especially in this time that we're going through now, is every, it's a priesthood of the believers, is every believer, every one of us has a place. It's not just the pastors, it's all of us. Just like we're in lockdown, we're locked down together. So we're in, so every, so some people, there's a, it's a con, and the enemy gets on the back. Oh, you've got to wait till you've got your degree. You've got to wait because you, you've fully trained. No, you serve and you reflect Jesus. And that's what I've tried to do all my life. I've made mistakes. But particularly with the men that I worked with, it was it was just great to be with them and, and just work hard. I'd always graft hard and work with them. And then 1997, I came off the construction site to God's site, and I went straight into a BA, BA honours degree. I, I never had any O-levels, no A-levels. My best exam I had for, from Kent Welsh was for cutting an engine oil filter in half and painting it silver. Hmm. So when I turned up, at this Bible school, and it was with Manchester University, some of the lecturers, they, they told me afterwards, I'm glad they told me afterwards, said, Steve, we didn't think you'd make it. And But I, I've always worked, I, and I grafted, and at the end of the year, I got I, I got awarded a scholarship, and I got awarded a 2-1 honours degree, and it was like all the glory to God. And then I came back from there, back home, back into Weldon, and so the, the guy said, oh, now you've got a theological degree. We give you an extra pound an hour, Stevie. <laughs> and then I just worked, just worked with that and just praying. And then in 2001, we planted the water's edge. You know, we aligned ourselves. It was an Elam Bible school, and Wynne Lewis got hold of me and, and, and opened a way for me, and that's what we've been doing. So the water's edge came as a plant back in 2001, and so we've been leading this, this little work, this, these precious people precious people for uh, 18 years 18 years just being faithful to it hope fm faith-filled radio well we promised you that we were going to share something special with you today and we're going to do that right now i should say steve is going to do it right now so steve over to you okay well bless you it's really i just want to put a context for your viewers and really this is coming out of a heart to bring hope out of hope fm Okay, and, and there's a little testimony. That's, now we've just we've just gone over for, for Israel. They've just completed Passover, and and Jesus was the ultimate Passover Lamb, our Passover Lamb, for the the truth, the resurrection, and the life. And and I, and I just want to give you some a bit of understanding and encouragement. In see, in Exodus 12, from verse 21, it says, "Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel." And said to them, go at once and select the animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it into the blood in the basin and put some of the blood on the top and on both sides of the door frame. Not one of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and sides of the door frame and will pass over that doorway and he will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. Now, the interesting thing is, datelines to this first Passover, to this event, vary. It's over 3,000 years. It can be between 3,000 to 3,500 years from that first Passover. But what we've just witnessed 
for the first time since that Passover that Israel were commanded to stay in their homes so that this pestilence would not touch them, so that the coronavirus would not touch them, that they were commanded to stay in their homes. Israel has been under lockdown. The interesting thing is, for the first time, just as the precious Jewish nation have been under lockdown, the Christians have been told, you shut your churches and you stay in your homes. So we've been under lockdown. But the blood over our lintels is the blood of Jesus. It's the power of the blood of Jesus. And see what, so that, that's just to give you a little context, what I'm about to say. So we had an event happen, which I'm going to explain in a moment, in 2016, with the, the sound of the supernatural shofar. And I will explain it, and you're going to hear it. Now, the, three, the reason, and basically, when this took place, we did not put it on Facebook. We did not put it on YouTube. We just showed it to individuals, non-Christians alike. And when I ministered overseas and my friends overseas um, had it, they showed it, we played it. I was recently in the Ukraine and ministering in one of the, the Roma communities of 10,000. Uh, they played it there. They wanted it. And so, so you may be asking, well, well why, why now? Why, why at 2016? What relevance has this got? Well, I'm, I'm going to say this. The relevance is hope. So I've been wrestling with God. Lord, I said to my precious wife, I said, Liz, I feel that the sound needs to be heard. It needs to be heard in the airways. It needs to bring hope to the hopeless. It needs to bring strength to those that have lost their strength. And what's beautiful about it, the reason that I didn't play it uh, to publicly 2016 was because I didn't want the church to be known as the church of the shofar. I didn't want hordes of people just turning up and, and moving our precious people out because it's not about me. It's not about the leader. It's about Jesus, that Jesus would get all the glory. So the, to where we are now with this whole pandemic and, and, and the church under lockdown, when we return, it's not going to be business as usual, church. It's not going to be business as usual, world. And there's a cry, so I have not got any problems. I believe that the sound... So when I asked this to Liz, what happened? I was praying and wrestling with this and say, Father, I want to honor you in this. And then I received out of the, the, the phone, uh, from the phone, a phone call from Blair. So I picked up, I hadn't seen Blair, spoke to Blair for years. Picked it up and he said, oh, sorry, Steve, I, I accidentally pressed it. And then we started talking. And then this meeting has come, come about. So I just want to bring a context to what happened on Sunday, the 4th of December, 2016, because it was a defining moment in my life and the ministry of the Waters Edge Eden Church here in Paul. And basically that Sunday night, there was the arrival of a precious Jewish lady, Lisa Meyer from Springs of Hope, Jerusalem. She was going to speak in an evening service. And also my precious friends, Mike and Jill O'Brien of Kingdom Connections, the good old USA, you know, Jill's an American and Mike's a Brit, and a very apostolic, prophetic ministry, very powerful. And it's honor, honor that they're our friends. And they were there that night. And um, you've got to understand, it was a strange week because that particular week, I buried my father on the Wednesday, 30th of November 2016. And on that, 
and it's a big thing when you bury your father, and it's a bigger thing when he gave his life to the Lord three weeks before he died. And on that Sunday morning, I was sat in front of my mother. My mother came, and we shared our first communion together. It's so precious. So in the evening, we had an evening service, and it was attended by 35 to 40 people. And the people would come to hear Lisa Myra's testimony of her life in ministry because she works amongst the refugees that have fled, have fled the iron grip of ISIS in northern Iraq. And she is a powerhouse. She's precious. But just before this service began, my precious brother, Mike O'Brien, I'm not saying he's a prophet of God, he came over to me and he said, Hey, Stevie, Steve, have you got a shofar here? And I said, No, I haven't, Mike. No, I, no, I haven't. And this was literally about... I think five minutes or 10 minutes before the service started. And so next minute I saw our keyboard player, Keith, put his motorbike jacket and I went over to him and I said, Keith, where are you going? He said, Mike needs to get a chauffeur. I'm going to ride back. I said, Keith, we haven't got time. We need to start the meeting. And so dear Mike came to me and he, and, and he said, we need to hear the sound of the blast of the chauffeur tonight. And he said, and, but when he realized that Keith, we didn't have the time, then Mike turned around and said, then the Lord will provide the shofar. Now, we've been, ex we've been expecting for a long time that God would intervene. When we gather, every church, when we gather in the name of Jesus, it's, it's a unique, it's a, pre it's a precious thing. The presence of God is it's so precious. With, and there's been an expectancy in my heart. And I've been preaching just prior to that in Siberia and other places for many, many months. I was referring to the, the verse from Genesis, the, the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. What did that sound like? And then when he called out and he asked them, where are you? Now, God knew exactly where they were, but he wanted them to know. And that's what's happening now. God is saying, where are you? Where are you? Consecrate yourself before me, because we're about to go into the land. And so my wife, basically, she started the worship. And as soon as she started the worship, suddenly there was a sound that filled the room. And we all stopped and we do everything, you know, what many churches would do. We think, well, has that come through the PA? We looked at our PA guy. He was like frantic and said, look, he was sliding controls. He's turning things off. And, and he said, no. No, no, it's, there's nothing. There's nothing here. And then my wife started again. And then the blast of the supernatural chauffeur was heard the second time. And this time, one of the guys captured it on video. And the sound was so loud and clear that people witnessed the sound coming from through the walls, through the roof, and it was heard outside in the street. And furthermore, the sound of the sh chauffeur seemed to resonate through our core beings. So you will hear people in this short sound. People were prostrate on the floor. People were shaking. There was, uh, there was utterance. And this same ancient sound that caused the thick walls of Jericho to implode was heard within the walls of our building. And I believe that there, there was a declaration. And, and I, I'm amazed that, that, that the miracle of hearing the blast of the chauffeur is that God stepped out from his limitless universe where there is no space or time where there is no beginning and no end. And he stepped into our limited three-dimensional world to demonstrate his love to us. And so what I want to 
Blair's going to play the sound. One thing I want you to know, and if you've heard the sound of the shofar before, is that you will, when you hear the sound, you will hear no breathing, no interruption. And then I'll explain a little bit further afterwards. Bless you, Blair. Okay, well, let's uh, see if we can get this to work. So the sound of the of the shofar there, quite supernaturally, Steve. That that must have had a an amazing impact. But you want to say a bit more about it? Yeah, just to say. So in the context of the Passover, this Passover, the feast starts with the sound of the shofar. And the interesting thing about the shofar too is. It's not like it, it can be used in worship, but it's not melodic. It's not like David's harp. It's the sound of the shofar is sounded to, to gather. So the sound of the shofar would gather Israel. It would gather them to the feast. It would gather them to the solemn assembly. Where the, and I think this has been a solemn assembly. for when I don't know about you guys out there, but certainly for me, it's an examining of our own hearts before God. The other thing, the, the sound of the shofar was sounded to gather the army for war. And church, the, we, there needs to be a radical prayer. It's not by flesh and blood. It's got to be by prayer and intercession because we're in a battle. Even if the battle's going on and you're not involved, doesn't mean the battle's not going on. It is. When a war, a war's going on, even though you're not in that conflict, so you're back home doing whatever you're doing, it doesn't mean that the war is stopped. That we're in a war. And the third thing is about the sound of the shofar was there to gather the people for the king is coming. The king is coming. And a lot of people say, well, there's indicators that Jesus, we, you know, is, is coming. And I, I personally, on a personal level, believe he's coming sooner than we think. And if that is the case, then I need to live my life totally for him, totally yield to him, submitted to him. But this is the great thing about what's going to happen. In Joshua, it talks about when they gathered at the river, the River Jordan. They gathered, and, and then they, they, they gathered a, a nation of thousands and thousands and the logistics of that, and there wasn't social distancing then. They were gathered close. And then there, there was a, a, a cry that said, sanctify yourself, sanctify yourself, for tomorrow God's going to do amazing things. And there was also scripture, you have not gone this way before, I believe in Joshua 3. You've not gone this way before. So what is happening, church, for all of you believers, it's sanctification. And, and we're about to go a place where we're going to cross over. Where it's going to be different. It can't be business as usual. Otherwise, it's just going to be business as usual. There will be an awakening. I prophesy that there will be a worldwide global revival that no man, it will not be to one man or two men, it will be that God will get all the glory. And, and God is going to do amazing things.
things through all of us, all of us together, because we're in this together with him. So be encouraged, church. Be encouraged. Hope FM, faith-filled radio. Well, Steve, obviously having that amazing event, hearing the blowing of the shofar, it must have been a very holy and special moment for everyone who was there that evening in 2016. Yes, yeah, there was, in fact, I remember with Mike and Jill and Lisa and Liz and myself, we, we went back to the hotel that Lisa was saying a few days after, and it was just resonating still, that sound. It's like the sound would go to your marrow, like the your inner, inner core, you know, just, and um, it was, yeah, and it's, it, was, it was an encouragement, it was a strength, it was, it was all matter of things, it was a responsibility as well, because it's like, you know, with a, of trust, because like our, our church were faithful, they didn't put it on Facebook. And one one reason I didn't want it on Facebook, because I didn't want people putting dislikes or likes. You know what I mean? Because I thought yeah. this is such a sacred, um, and it didn't go on the YouTube, but it went it went where it needed to go. And it's actually gone all around the world, one by one. And, and it's, that is a testimony in itself, when you consider it was three and a half years ago, that it hasn't found its way back on any media. But Now's the time in the sense of the sound, in this context of the lockdown, in this context of the, of the shofar being announced at this, this true like Passover, in the sense of the, the, only, the only time since Moses ordained Passover was Israel commanded to stay in their homes. I mean, that's amazing. And as Christians. And so I believe that it has more bearing. And it's a declaration in the spirit. It's a declaration over the lives of those precious brothers, my precious brothers and sisters that are hearing this, that, it, that it's going to be okay. You keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. You be strengthened. Don't let fear, because the spirit of fear that's come with this coronavirus has been more than the coronavirus itself, I believe. The fear that it's caused, when I've, even um, when I've read uh, in the early part, there was one precious, beautiful young lady in her early 20s that was in lockdown, and she was so afraid of the coronavirus that she took her life. And this has happened, I think it was a German minister, this has happened. And so fear knows no boundaries, it's, it's irrational. But Jesus says, fear not, fear not, fear not. And, and that fear... We, in prayer, we, so we were praying, so corona means reef or crown. And so part of the prayer that we've been declaring before Passover was, Lord, there's only one place for the crown, and that's upon your head. So we take this crown off of corona. We take this crown off of corona and the crown, your crown, and we take that crown off of fear and we place it on faith in Christ. And um, so I believe that it's going to be interesting days for all the churches, for all the believers, for the awakening that is going to come. It's going to be all hands on deck. And, um, and Jesus is going to get the glory. The Father, and Holy, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they're going to be glorified. And that's where it needs to be. Well, of course, that's e- where it needs to be. each revival down through the ages, I mean, the last great one here i think it was at the turn of the century it's hard to describe to people maybe what what this is like but it's really god stepping in coming very close where people essentially can't can't do anything but actually go with god but the one thing that is very evident through when god moves is that pretty much everybody knows 
Uh, and it's interesting that you say that uh, in, in times past there have been names, you know, uh, that were linked to revival. <clears throat> But I think you're quite right. I think that going forward, that this is something which will not have any man's name uh, attached to it, uh, but something which will be a glory to God himself as he draws near uh, to his people. And it's very interesting, really, that in these days that it's not just the attention of the United Kingdom, but it's the attention of of the whole world. Yeah, Steve, our yeah. time, our time, uh, unfortunately, has uh, has almost gone. Do you just have a final word as we as we close the program? Well, I just want to make a, a, a statement about the, this statement statement of truth. Okay, so when a statement of truth is made, there will always be a rea- reality to support its claim. In other words, when Jesus said, "I am the resurrection and the life," he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live, is a is a is backed is a true statement that Jesus will personally back. When Jesus said, "I'm the way, the truth, and the life," that's a true statement, and there's a reality back with that. And my prayer is for myself, and for the church leaders, and for the Christians, and that 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 the the Christ in us, the hope of glory, that we will become a we will bring a reality to that statement when we declare that Jesus is Lord. Because one of the things is, there's so many mixed messages. I went to do a start a doctorate, I won't name the university, but it was on practical theology. I paid for the year two grand ahead. First two lectures, I was told there's no such thing as an absolute. I was told there's no such thing as truth. I was told that the Bible is not the word of God, it's about God, therefore everyone's interpretation is valid. So, of course, I was in a position where I had to make a statement. And, and even it was even said that a truth, truth was like liquid. And I said, well, if it's liquid form, then you're going to be slipping everywhere. And so the Word of God is the Word of God. It's a truth statement. And I think the mixed messages have got to, from the church, has got to stop. Because otherwise, it's the truth that will set people free. And I think that the future for the local church the future for the church in our nation, the future for Christians together in this is very bright, and it's, more, it's not orange. It's bright, and so bless you. For more inspirational interviews, podcasts, and Hope FM best bits, visit hopefm.com forward slash listen again.